You know, sometimes we run across a series from a mentor that moves us so much that we are compelled to share it with you as accurately as possible. This is one of those series. If you need to get caught up uh, on the two previous weeks, you can get that on SoundCloud by searching for Harley Petty and then go to my playlist. It will be there with this series. Um, if you are new today to investigating the claims of Jesus, and if you are turned off by, uh, by the Bible, and maybe you just are not there yet, you don't have a lot of faith in that direction, I want to tell you this morning, you picked a great day to be here. I've got two verses for you. The main verse, one single verse near the very end of our discussion and teaching time today. You picked a great day to be here. Now, if you are a Christ follower and you really love it as I jump into the Word and we teach from the Word, please don't get up and run away. Do not run out because that one single verse is a doozy and it will make everything we said previous to that really, really applicable. So hang tight, that verse is coming. Now, we are going to give you this morning, though, example after example after example of things that you will find today if you open up your Bible. And in fact, today we're going to present you the truth, and then we're going to ask you to go home and really explore that truth inside of Scripture. That's what we're asking you to do, to do today. Let me give you a little clue about myself. I've never told you this. Um, it, when I was in the seventh grade, that was junior high back in my day, uh, and I had just, so I had just left the elementary school, which was uh, up through the sixth grade, and so I show up at junior high, and it's seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. Now, those eighth graders and those ninth graders, to me, a small seventh grader, they were ginormous. I mean, they it was intimidating to show up at the seventh grade. It was really intimidating. And I was just a shy kid, super shy kid. I, I did not want to draw attention to myself. So because of that, I always almost did everything the teacher asked. I, I was polite. I was kind. I was respectful. I was super quiet. And so I never wanted to draw attention to myself. I didn't want to be singled out. And so I was pretty quiet and reserved. And so the teachers would look at that and they'd be like, oh, he's an ideal student. He's so good. He's so good. But I was just super shy, super shy. And so I did everything I was supposed to do and didn't want to be singled out. Well, there was this one kid. He was also in the seventh grade, but man, he was a lot bigger than I was and than most of us. And um, he was a huge humanoid. And he, and this part's not real, not funny, but I want to tell you because it, it just puts it in perspective in the context of my seventh grade mind. He, he came from a tough, tough life and a tough family, I'm guessing. I never met his family. But, he, I mean, he didn't smell good. He, he was, um, you know, he, did, he stunk. And, but it was, he had a tough life, and I knew that. I didn't treat him any differently. Um, and, but for some reason, he got his radar 
I showed up on his radar for some reason and with a giant target on my back. And for some reason, he kind of singled me out in this one specific class for many, many weeks. And I became the target of his conversations, of his words, and, I, and, and his ridicule. And he was picking on me, kind of the you stepped on my foot, but I was 10 feet away type thing. And he was a bully towards me. And I just remember so well what that felt like for me as a seventh grader to be singled out and to be picked on, to be bullied in that environment. I remember that. But I also remember he had a tough life, and I, I was thinking to myself, but I, I, I you know, I, I wished he wouldn't pick on me. I, I wouldn't, but, you know, I knew that there was something going on there. There was something happening. Maybe you have had a situation in your life where you have been picked on, where you have been bullied. And maybe it was something, sometimes it's something that we have choices about and we just kind of choose to be different. But many times it's something inside of your life or about your life that you had no choice of. Maybe something about you physically and they have identified that. You had no choice. It's just the way you were born. It's who you are. But they identified that and they chose to isolate you, separate you, discriminate against you, to pick on you to bully you. It's very dehumanizing to experience that. And you know, it's, it's true. We, for some reason, if we identify something different about somebody, we, for some reason, we, we, we behave differently. And you know, that person knows it. They know, they feel there's something different. I, there's something about me that's not the same as something about you. And so many times they, it, it throws them off balance and they are walking through that day or through that week or through that life trying to keep their balance. And there's a couple of different reactions to it. Sometimes that person will get supercharged with their batteries and they will try to overpower everything around them because on the inside they know there's something a little bit different and they're trying to overcompensate for what that is. But then there's other people who are like me who try to disappear. They try to become invisible so they bring no attention to themselves as best as possible. But yet they're walking around knowing there's something different. In the United States, it seems we're pretty fortunate that, that we don't have any tolerance for people who are intolerant. And that's generally speaking, because if you try to apply that towards Christianity, we become, in the United States, very intolerant towards Christianity. But in, in most other things, we are not tolerant for intolerance. And here's the interesting thing about that. Um, the fact that we are even aware that we should not be intolerant, that we should not put up with someone who is being intolerant, except towards Christians, of course, that's ironic. Because the very fact that we are aware that we should be kind and treat each other better, that's actually a reflection of Christianity inside of our nation. Now, our nation would not admit that, but that's the truth. 
That's a reflection of Christianity inside of our nature. And we tend to think, well, that's just who we are in the United States. But the reality is that is not natural for us. It's not natural for us, even in the United States, to accept others. You know what's natural? It's natural to bully them. That's natural. What's natural is that whoever is stronger, they get to do what they want to do. That's, that's natural. Whoever is the most popular, they get to dictate how someone else is treated. That's natural. You see, our natural behavior, it says this. If you have money or if you have strength or if you have power or if you have popularity, then you get to do what you want to do. It's natural for Democrats to hate Republicans. It's natural for Republicans to hate Democrats. It's natural for one shade of skin to hate another shade of skin. When I went to South Africa, I was amazed. There are not two races in South Africa. There are three. I, just, I, I, I didn't discover that, but they told me that. I realized that. There are the white people in South Africa, and they discriminate against everybody at this time. Maybe they don't now. They discriminated against everybody at that time. Then there are the black people in South Africa. They're always discriminated against. And then there's a third race, though, and they're in between these two, and they call them in South Africa the colored people. And the colored people, they're not as black as the black people. They're not white like the white people. So the colored people discriminated against the black people as well. It was so enlightening. I didn't realize that, but that's what it was like there. It's natural for us to discriminate against somebody else. That's what's natural. What's natural is in middle school, in junior high, if you're different for any reason, it's pointed out. That's natural. If it's your size, your shape, your teeth, your hair, your mannerisms, your clothes, your family, the way you walk, the way you talk, your ability to learn, you're too smart, you're too slow, you're too poor, and on and on and on, that is natural. Natural is discriminating against him, and natural is singling her out. And that is in all of us. A natural ability to find somebody to not like because of something about them. And the truth is, we have all been guilty. Even when we have been picked on ourselves, we find a way to do the same thing to somebody else. You know, this whole idea that individuals, no matter what makes them different, individuals have value, that idea has been learned. It is not built in. It is not automatic. So, as our nation was founded, we had a thing called the Declaration of Independence. We're going to give you a picture of it on the screen. You certainly won't be able to read it. That's just a picture of the Declaration of Independence. And as it begins, we find these words. We hold these truths to be self-what? Anybody remember? 
self-evident, to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. This phrase, self-evident, here's what it's saying. It's saying this, there's something that we should know. We should just simply know there's something inside of us that says bullying somebody is wrong. There's something in us that says that. But here's what they had to include next in the Declaration of Independence. <coughs> Excuse me. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So here's what they're saying. I mean, it's going it's saying that we we know this, but we have to work really 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 hard to treat people kindly and fairly. In other words, we know this inside that we shouldn't bully, but to secure that, to make sure we really do that. In other words, we know it's wrong to mistreat somebody, but for some reason we do it anyway. It's not natural. We know it. It's self-evident, but it's not natural. So instead... Yeah, we make fun of that person. We discriminate against this person. We have prejudice. Even though we know there is a God that has created all men and that God has made men equal, we're all created by God, it's self-evident. But we have to have something to come alongside of us and make sure we live right, we act right towards each other. You, we, someone to say, you can't do that to them. You, you can't say that to them. We, we have to have people or something to help us because it's not natural for us. We seem to devolve as people and do all kinds of terrible things to isolate a group and to ostracize them and to hurt them. It's self-evident that we shouldn't, but it's not natural. You see, this is learned. To act upon this is something we have learned. Let me give you an example. It's self-evident that I should get my heart rate up three times a week with exercise. What's natural is I don't. I know that's a shock. You have no idea that I don't fit behind this little tiny table. It's self-evident that we should not eat deep-fried foods, but what's natural is you love catfish and I love french fries. It's self-evident that you shouldn't dip, that you shouldn't smoke. It's self-evident that I should not eat more calories than my body burns in a day. You see, there are a lot of things that are self-evident, but that doesn't mean I follow the truth, right? It doesn't mean that at all. Often, most of us, we choose the natural over the self-evident. And this just happens to be one of the reasons, as we're answering this question through the series, why on earth it's one of the reasons why Jesus chose to come down here and live with us on this earth. Now we know the big answer to that. We're going to talk about that next week. But this is one of the other answers to that. The smaller answer of why Jesus chose to do it that way. He wanted to come here and live among us 
on this planet to take what is self-evident, what we kind of already know deep inside, and to put it to us in a way that we can't possibly miss what he wants. Now, in this series that says we believe this, God actually became one of us, one of his creation, and came to this earth to live among us, to walk among us. John put it this way, that the word became flesh and lived among us. So the question is why? Why would he do that? Now, next week we're giving you the big answer, this the overarching, here's why. But the previous two weeks, we talked about this answer. This is one of the reasons. Jesus came here. Why did he come here? He came here to show us and to tell us exactly what God is like. That's one of the smaller reasons why. Jesus didn't claim to have the best explanation about who God is. Jesus claimed to be the best explanation of who God is. In fact, we said this, in your search for understanding and knowing God, the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to God and understanding God. The further you move away from Jesus in your search for God, the further you're moving away from God. That's one of the reasons why Jesus came. Here's the second reason we're talking about this one today. Jesus came to elevate the dignity of the individual. Now, as bad as things are right now with division in our country, and as bad as things have been in our past, it's really impossible for us to understand the world that Jesus actually walked into 2,000 years ago when he came here. The world he stepped into, people were owned. And, you know, in our mind, we go back to colonial America and we think uh, how horrible, and it was, how horrible the slave industry was in colonial America. It was horrible, but it does not compare to the horrific things happening in the world 2,000 years ago. In the first century, um, there, there was no sense that we were, as people, as humans, accountable to God for how we treated other people and our behavior. There was no thinking like that in the Greek way of life. There was no thinking like that in the Roman way of life. People were owned, they were stolen, and they were enslaved. Women had no rights at all, no choices at all for themselves. Children had absolutely no rights. In fact, I'm told that children often were not even named until the family decided if they wanted to to keep the child. And then even when they decided that, they didn't name them frequently. They didn't name them until they knew the child was even going to live. In that society, in that time, people with power, they got more and more power. And if you were not in that tiny, tiny, tiny elite group of people, you had absolutely no rights at all. They could just take you and enslave you. In this world of inequality, that's where Jesus Christ chose and the Father chose for him to show up at that time 2,000 years ago. Even among the powerful religions of that day, all they did was work to keep their power. They were not at all helping people and inequality among people. There were no human rights. There was no dignity. And into this world... Jesus stepped. Now, our sense today in the United States of human dignity that is learned 
It is not natural. What is natural is the world Jesus Christ stepped into. Now, Jesus came, and in his coming, he elevated the dignity of people. And you find this throughout the four Gospels. And those are the books in the New Testament that really go through the life of Jesus from his birth to his death. And that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you find time after time after time, you find Jesus elevating the dignity of people. For instance, if you will take our challenge and read read one of those gospels, you're going to find uh, you're going to find this story that Jesus told called a parable. It's not a true story. He he told this story to help illustrate a point. And here's the basics of this story he told. He told a story about a Jewish man and he was talking to Jewish people. A Jewish man who had been robbed and beaten up and he was beaten so bad that he almost died. He was very near death. And so as he was laying there in the process of dying, um, some Jewish people one by one walked by. And some of those were just like, were like a rabbi and leaders and teachers high, high in the culture. And they just simply looked at him, a fellow Jew, and they just walked on by and they passed him up. It happened time after time after time again. So the guy's about to die, and finally this one guy walks by, and Jesus labels this man. He says, this man, he gives, lets him know his identity. He was a Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans, in the mind of the Jewish people, they were called half-breeds. And it was very, very derogatory. In fact, the Jewish people hated the Samaritans because they were half-breeds. The Samaritans, in turn, hated the Jewish people. And Jesus chooses to to make the hero of this story someone that everyone he was telling the story to would hate. And they would separate themselves from and they would discriminate against. And they said that he, he said the hero of the story is the Samaritan. He's the only one that did the right thing. He went over and above and took care of this man over and above He became the hero, and in doing so, Jesus was now raising the value and the dignity of that entire race of people, the Samaritans. You see it in other stories that Jesus told too, other parables. He talks about the lost sheep and the lost coin. And in that he's raising the dignity and the value of people that had been pushed out and isolated from and discriminated against by this Jewish people. And Jesus raises their value and their and he raises their dignity. Jesus is taking the overlooked people and he's raising their value time and time and time again as you look in the New Testament at the Gospels. Jesus elevated the value of women over and over again in the Gospels. You find Jesus elevating the value and the the dignity of the poor. You see, Jesus, this time not a parable, but it was really happening. A a lady who was a a widow, so she was alone, and she was overlooked, and she was passed by and thought less of. And she was a woman, so that made it more so. And she was poor, and that made it even more so. And she gave a tiny, tiny, tiny offering, almost so small you couldn't count it. 
and they all knew how much she gave because Jesus said and Jesus looked and she he elevated this woman who was poor and this woman who was alone. He elevated her dignity and her value above the religious, professional, religious people who were all around him. And he elevated her value. That's what Jesus did. Your homework today is actually the same homework we've asked of you the previous two weeks. So the third week in a row, we're asking you today to go to the New Testament and pick one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, any, any of those four, and read through that this week and look for places where Jesus elevated the dignity of an individual. And you will find many, many, many. You'll find a story about a, another Samaritan. So there we go. This half-breed. And she's a woman. So there we go again. It's She's lower on the whole cultural status. And then it's not just a woman who is a Samaritan, but she's also, she's also, she's led a pretty, pretty, bad life. And Jesus meets her in public. He doesn't hide this. He meets her in public and has a conversation, a kind, loving, encouraging conversation with her. And in doing so, Jesus elevated her value and her dignity. Wow, that's what Jesus did. Jesus did the same thing with a Roman uh, soldier. The Romans were hated by the Jews. And by what Jesus did, you'll find it. If you'll go read, you'll find it. By what Jesus did, he elevated the value and the dignity of that Roman soldier. And not only to the soldier, he also elevated the dignity of, of the slave, of the servant, of the soldier. You find Jesus doing the same thing with another group this guy called Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. Now, Zacchaeus was a Jew. He was a Jewish man. But he, took, he collected taxes for the Roman government, which meant that Zacchaeus, as a tax collector, was now hated more than the worst sinner. He was hated more by the Jewish people. And Jesus... Jesus chose him and, his, and some of his other friends, and he chose to specifically raise their value and their dignity. Jesus did the same thing with children. Jesus was hanging out, he was teaching, he was talking. The children started coming up to him, and in this culture that was a no-no. Children did not get FaceTime with someone who was important. In fact, they didn't get FaceTime with anybody until they became an adult. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. The disciples were like, hey, kids, get out of here. This is, this is grown-up time. Get out of here. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. Jesus in this moment elevated their value their value. He said, no, they're going to take first place in front of all of these adults. Jesus constantly elevated the value and the dignity of people. Jesus healed women. He healed sick people who were pushed off and out of the culture. Jesus healed a leper. And you know, many of these people, he actually physically touched he talked with and dealt with the mentally ill. He talked with and saved a, convict, 
a, a, a convicted person, a, a convict. Everywhere Jesus went, he raised the dignity of people in spite of what the culture was doing to them. Another example, Jesus was at a dinner who was hosted by uh, a very, very religious, religious man. During this meal, a, a woman kind of busts into the house and she drops at the feet of Jesus and begins to anoint his feet. And this woman, not just any woman, I mean, it was bad enough that a woman did this, but this was a bad woman. And the guy hosting the meal knew what kind of woman this was. She was sinful. And here's what the host said to himself. He was like, if Jesus was really who he says that he is, he would know what kind of woman he is allowing to touch him. And you know what Jesus was doing in this whole scenario? He did know who was touching him, and he was elevating her dignity in that moment right there. And you know beyond that, this is so amazing. For all time, for all history, and for all the future, he still elevates every single time her dignity. He elevates it every time that story is read and that story is talked about. Her dignity is elevated again. Wow. And the pinnacle of all of this is when Jesus Christ died on the cross. At that moment, he elevated the value of everyone he ever created. You were elevated at the death of Jesus. Now, I know it's true. You have mixed emotions about some people because you have been you have been hurt possibly by someone who calls themselves a Christian. And you may have been hurt by a church. It's possible. Why? The answer is because most often we choose the natural over the self-evident, even Christians, even churches. But the reality is, if we believe that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, for all mankind, at the cross, everyone's, every single person's dignity was raised to a level that they didn't deserve. They were all raised to the same level. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, here's how Paul words that. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, those sinners that Christ died for, who are they? They? They are all of us. Every single one of us. 
Somehow Jesus, God himself, was able to live here among people who have been rejected and hurt and ostracized and singled out as sinners. And, they ha- and he lived among them without giving them a label and without giving them adjectives. To Jesus' people were people, and he loved them. And Jesus wasn't naive. He knew the kind of people that he was loving. He knew the heart of every single person he loves, and he saw no difference. People. He simply saw people. You know, compared to the perfection of Jesus Christ, we are all just people. (laughs) Every one of us. We are all sinners, and he did not need to label us. You know, Jesus didn't have to die more for some people than he did for others. We all need a Savior. And that's just maybe, perhaps, the reason why Jesus is the most intolerant. He gets the most angry about a self-righteous person who would say this, because of who I am, or because of how I have lived, or because of who I am related to, or because of what I have done, or because of any of these things, that sets me apart from those people over there. Jesus Christ had no tolerance, zero tolerance for that. Because he knew this, we, we're all the same sinners. And when Jesus would find people using the words of God to hurt the people that God had created, Jesus was quick to remind them this, you are on the wrong side of God. When someone would take the words of God or Jesus and twist them and use them in such a way to alienate people around them, people that were made in the image of God, Jesus was quick to say, you have it wrong, buddy. Don't use my words, not my father. You are all the same. In fact, here is how Jesus put words to it. John chapter 13, verse 34. Here's that verse. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. And then he tells us how. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And therefore, we get our bottom line today. And it says this, at the foot of the cross, I lose my right to discriminate against anyone for any reason. That's our bottom line. At the foot of the cross, I lose my right to discriminate against anyone for any reason. Now just think with me for a moment. What what if we got this right? I mean, what would that mean? What would that mean for the Christian community in our area if the church would become the most non-discriminatory people in the world? I mean, if we had any reputation, it would be this. People would look at us and they would say, they might be a little bit weird, a little bit odd. But look at the way they treat other people. What if we became famous 
for how we treated others. And if Jesus is correct, then that means everybody is somebody. Why do we know this? Because everybody is somebody that God loves. Why do we know this? Because everybody is somebody for whom Jesus died. And that is self-evident. But to act upon it, it's not natural. If you're a Christ follower, then on the inside, I will say this, it is self-evident that you know inside that if Jesus died for everybody, then everybody is somebody. And for the Christ follower, yes, that is self-evident. And so for me to choose to treat somebody poorly because of their political views or their race or their past or their present or their choices or their addictions or their identity or their religion or their neighborhood, their income, their family situation, their marital status, their choice of girlfriend or their choice of boyfriend or their sin, for me to treat somebody poorly is to say, God, 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 I mean, you you, you can love them, but God, I have standards. I have higher standards than you, God. Your standards are lower than mine. For me to treat someone poorly is to have disrespect for what God has done for each one of us, including me. Now, as we wrap this up, I'm going to push you here, and it's on purpose it's pushing me as well. I want you to buckle your theater seat belt so you don't fall out. Here's what we're asking. Some of us right now are having a conversation in our mind. It's one of those yes, but conversations. You're saying, I understand what you're saying, Harley. I understand that, but you don't know the person I'm talking about. I understand what you're saying, but you don't know what they've done to me. I understand what you're saying, but you don't know what kind of person that is. You don't know my situation. Now, don't miss this. If you are a Christ follower this morning, you can't live with an I'm better attitude toward anyone. And if a person or a group has popped into your mind, whether they're tall or short or overweight or fit or beautiful, wealthy, poor, government-assisted, white, Indian, black, Asian, Latino, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, rich people, successful people, your boss, your supervisor, if anybody popped into your mind as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't live with an attitude that says, I'm better than them. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, okay, do it. Be, be natural. It is self-evident that you should not, but go ahead. But if you're a Christ follower, Jesus said no. For some of us, for some of us, we need to repent because it's sin. And Jesus hated it. It is self-righteousness, and he hated it. They're, they're, it's saying that there's something about me that makes me more than you. And Jesus said, because he knows the hearts of all men, they are different, yes. Better? No. 
Different color? Yeah. Better? No. Different incomes? Probably. Better? Absolutely not. Different political party? Perhaps. But better? No. Different sin than yours? Yes. Better? No. And we seem to have done it for years. We've justified it for years. We've gotten together with our friends and for years we've talked about them. And it's sin. And Jesus hates it. And perhaps this morning we need to repent. We need to say, God, I, I admit it. I, I'm going to start praying for that person and I'm going to start praying for myself. God, I need your help to treat people. You love God. I need your help to treat them the way that I have been treated by you, God. God, you elevated their dignity at the cross, and the fact that I would treat them less is sin. For some of us, we might need to repent and then do some repair. Because we've Facebooked about it. We've given them the look and that tone of voice, and, and they know. And maybe for us, repentance needs to be followed by a conversation or some repair. Or maybe perhaps it just needs to be that you begin changing now, not letting that sin rule your life anymore. Elevating the value of people. Maybe we need to repent and become a community, a community of followers that treat other people the way our Heavenly Father has treated us. Because one of the reasons why God actually came here to live among us is that He came to illustrate to us and to teach us that all men are loved by God and they have dignity because they bear the image of God Himself. Can you imagine... What if our church really got this right in 2017? People would look and they would talk and they would say, look at the love. This is the reputation we want because it is the reputation of Jesus. So this morning, our one step is simply this. Will you go back to the Gospels one more week and simply pick one of them and read through that Gospel and look for ways where Jesus elevated the value and the dignity of people, the outcast and the shepherds and the working class, the women and the children and the sick and the known sinners. Will you find it and will you do what Jesus did? Let's pray. Jesus, you told us that you are giving us a new commandment to love each other. And then you told us how. 
you want us to love other people the way you have loved us. And therefore, because of that, it is at the foot of the cross, Jesus, that I lose my right to discriminate against any person for any reason. God, help me to treat people and love people the way you have treated me and loved me. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Redeemer, that I pray. Amen.